I was going to start somewhere else, but I think go to the 18th chapter of the book of Genesis for a start. In light of things that have happened this week, probably my thoughts were more for myself than anything else. I think it's good we try ourselves often. We we had all the things going on up in the D.C. this week, and uh, Betty and I both had to take a sedative. She, I had to give her two. <laughs> in this 18th chapter we got Abraham he's kind of accusing the Lord of not doing what's right are you going to Take down everybody. <laughs> That's what we do sometimes. We, when we try to judge the Lord, we're in big trouble. The re- end result of that 25th verse, he said there, that be far from thee to do after this manner to slay the righteous with the wicked. And the righteous should be the, uh, as the wicked. Be thou far from thee, shall not the judge of all the earth do right? And we wonder our, in ourselves often, why do we judge things as we do? If we'd turn around and try them, we'd be more careful, I think, sometimes in doing what we do or thinking what we do. I know all of you have thought, why in the world would the Lord allow this to happen? Or why in the world doesn't the Lord get rid of that fellow down yonder? And it's not any new thing. Me, I've wondered over the years off and on, why Why are these things? And then when I consider them, then I say, why in the world do I even judge these so? When we get a little older, we understand better, I believe, when we look back at our younger days that... We so were so careless to think that God might do something that was wrong. He's going to do right. We say he's he's a God of sovereign grace. You might think of it in another fashion. He is a God of sovereign justice. I think he might do him more justice in thinking of him in that manner. 
he is a God of sovereign grace. If it had not been for his sovereign grace, there would not be one man left standing. We'd all been gone. If he had judged us without grace, his judgment would have been severe. It was severe. Because that judgment was placed upon our Lord Jesus Christ for the sins of every man that come into this world in one sense. He is sovereign. He calls those that He has chosen before the foundation of the world. Not it was before they'd done any good or evil. We see that clearly. But he is the Savior of all. But especially those that are his. We make a lot of rash judgments. I've done it all my life. Like I was talking about, if you never did wonder why the Lord didn't do something, you're just not human. We're always wondering, but that's the that's our nature. That's who we are. That's our little old mind that we have. We are able to think. But then our thinking must be based, if it be right, it must be based upon God's laws. That's the only thing that keeps down anarchy. <clears throat> outside of that we would have ruined ourselves there wouldn't have been anything left of us it hadn't been too long we, we come this same path but go with me to the 13th chapter of the book of Romans said, let every soul be subject unto the higher powers. For there is no power but of God. We could rest there. Be enough said. Whatever God does is right. He is a God of equal judgment. For there is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. And I can't tell you how many times I've come here. <laughs> Over the years, I'm talking about all along things that happen. And it brings me back to this same place. So we conclude just from this alone that God is sovereign. He do whatever He will. Whosoever therefore resisted the power, resisted the ordinance of God. And they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. Are we going to go up against God? 
Or are we going to get rid of the evil that He has set forth? We look back in history and, and Israel is the best example we have. He brought on people against Israel one after another. Sent them down into Egypt and let them rule over them. He brought the Syrians against them. The on and on, just nation after nation. Well, what was the outcome? It was sovereign grace. The whole thing was sovereign grace. Had not all those things transpired, we would not have known anything about what was going on. But God, in His sovereign mercy, causes all things to flow together. There isn't any power but that. There's powers and power and a lot of powers. But there is but one supreme power that rules over everything. For the rulers are not a terror to good works, but to the evil. Wilt thou then not be afraid of the power? Do that which is good, and thou shalt have praise of the same. For he is the minister of God to thee for good work. For good, I mean. It, it sometime wouldn't seem like that was so, would it? I'm old enough to remember over and over and over, it would seem like that the things are just not going right. And yet, all these things, what, what are they for? For the good of God's people. They're the chosen people. And all these things work to good to them that love the Lord and are called according to His purpose. And can we question these things? For He's a minister. Of God to thee for good. Well, we wonder sometimes where is the good that's in it? But, but we can rest that God is the only high power. Can we rest in Him? We say He's a sovereign God. Do we really believe that? He's not sovereign in some things and not in others. He's sovereign in all things. Verse 5, he said, Wherefore ye must needs be subject. 
not only for wrath, but also for conscience sake. We've done what is good. And left it up to the Lord. You know, I've thought about this oftentimes too. The church didn't have but one command. Go ye therefore into all the world and preach the gospel. That's where the power is in the preaching of the gospel. He said, For for this cause pay ye tribute also, for they are God's ministers, attending continually upon this very thing that God has set out to be done. Go down there and thrash him people. Where you been, devil? I've been down there walking to and throw through the earth. Really going to see what he can do. Is he going to accomplish anything? Nope. Nothing but what God set out. He said, go down there and do what you will, but don't do this. Right. Not going to touch him. But we fret. Oftentimes, I fret. Oftentimes. And wonder, what is, what is, what does all this mean? I, I was thinking yesterday too, thinking about these things. I, I bet these uh, uh, second coming preachers are having a ball with this. One nation ruling over the others and all kinds of stuff. You know, just they, they can go into some Real garbage. Render therefore to all their dues a tribute to whom tribute is due, custom to whom custom, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. And then in verse 8, this is important to this whole thing. Owe no man anything but to love one another. For he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. And we can leave the rest of it to God. How are you going to love another? It's the impossible outside of mercy of God. Do we dislike believing? Do we dislove? No, it's not in man. But the people of God, that's who this book is written to. They use that love in a proper manner. They pay tribute to God. I often thought with all the anarchy going on in the D.C. that I see a lot of it was people that claim to be 
religious people. And unto me, when they get unruly that way, they have gone against our God. It's all right if you want to protest. I guess. I don't know it does any good. But if you go against the Lord, that's a whole different something else. Bring reproach upon His name and say, look at us. We're doing it in the name of the Lord. And we're told that that's what they will do. Especially in the last day. They'll slay you and say they're doing God's service. That's a little problem. Especially when it comes to God. He, Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. Be subject unto the power. This is our God. And we better be careful and not bring reproach upon His name. In First Peter... The second chapter in First Peter, in the eleventh verse, we go. Verse eleven, dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims. Now that's who he's talking to. We're not of this world. We're in it. Abstain from fleshly lust, which war against the soul, having your conversation honest among the Gentiles, that whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they may, by your good works, which they shall behold, glorify God in the day of visitation. Submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake. Whether it be to the king as supreme or unto governors, you understand first place God set forth a government. Um, a, a government of order. And he still rules over that government. He governs. All time. He doesn't ever quit. He doesn't rest. He doesn't take off Sundays or anything. He's always working and ruling. He said, whether it be to the king as supreme or unto governors as to them that are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise and that. You might think, and I've thought on this before. Well, my goodness, what do you know? Is some others getting caught up in this too? The old argument I've heard: Well, the airplane going down, and all these folks on it, and there's one righteous man on there. But it's gonna kill them all. Well, no. 
That's where sometimes we get to thinking too carnal. Can't kill a man that it belongs to God. Really? He's not going to suffer any second death. For the praise of them that do well, for so is the will of God, that with well-doing ye may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men as free, as free. We're free. Paul and Silas locked up in the jail, they are free. We're free and not using your liberty for a cloak of maliciousness, but as the servants of God, honor all men, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the King. Then he goes on. There's a whole progression to this. Servants. Don't go against your master. Wives, don't go against your husbands. In the third chapter, in verse 8, he said finally, Be all of one mind, having compassion one of another, love as brethren, be pitiful, be courteous, not rendering evil for evil. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. I will repay our railing for railing, but contrariwise blessing, knowing that ye are therefore called that ye should inherit a blessing. For he that will love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips that they speak no guile. Let him askew evil and do good. Let him seek peace and ensue it. For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous, and his ears are open unto the prayers. But the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. I think it's a bad situation when people would bring reproach upon the Lord. We'll be careful. Always as to how we behave ourselves in Titus Verse one, uh, verse two, rather. 
violation of were on verse 3. Put them in mind to be subject to principalities and powers, to obey magistrates, to be ready to every good work, to speak evil of no man, to be no brawlers, but gentle, showing all meekness unto all men. For we ourselves also were sometimes foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving diverse lust and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. That's a good picture of the world itself. And when we judge ourselves, we need to look back what we were outside of the goodness of God. That's where all men are. That's where all anarchy comes from. Hating one another. Betty asked me, said, why do they hate Trump so bad? Because it's their nature. It's their very nature. I don't know why. I never have known why. All these things happen, but I go back to the one thought. Shall not the judge of all this earth do right? We don't have very little to do with anything. When I look back in my life, I understand full well that I had very little to do with anything that ever transpired, even with myself, let alone the rest of the world. One thing, I was so busy working, I didn't have time to think about <laughs> all the rest of this stuff. And I, that was some of my doings too, but... I don't know. In Hebrews, book of Hebrews, fifth chapter. somewhere else and wrote that down and didn't yeah verse 17 obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves for they watch for your souls this is the same this is the same thought it's talking about our preachers but it's the same thought. If we go go home and try what has been said, look into the Bible 
Don't just blow up and say the old preacher don't know what he's talking about. But it's the same principle. Judge things by the Word of God. And not by this ever old whim of things that's going on. You may know a lot better than I do. Like I said, I never did have time to study these things too far. I was just trying to survive. In verse 16, he said, But to do good and to communicate, forget not. For with such sacrifices God is well pleased. Obey them to have rule over you and submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls, as they that must give account, that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. And he says, pray for us. Now that's the only tool I know of that is available to the people of God if you want to change things. And I don't mean that that you're going to really change anything. <laughs> but you got to pray what is the will of God. Not necessarily just to change something. Shall not the judge of all the earth do right? He Those verses of Scripture that J.T. has just read are some of the most difficult in all of the Bible to really understand and appreciate and to follow. And you have to say amen to every bit of it. And yet, there are times when you must disobey those same rulers it's been happening all through the history of the church during the especially during the what we call today the dark ages when those rulers, both secular and religious, demanded that the people obey them. How many of them, millions of them, lost their lives, were tortured because they would not and could not, again for conscience sake, obey those magistrates. And this is what makes it so difficult for us to understand these passages of Scripture. And now the truth of it is that we're like very, very likely to be confronted with the same thing that those millions of martyrs down through the ages 
that they were confronted with. In fact, we have already disobeyed those magistrates. How do you say we do that? They told us not to assemble. We went on and assembled anyway. And we did not do that out of spite. We did not do that out of rebellion. We did it because we believed that we ought to obey God rather than men. But that's where that sometimes that fine line begins and ends. Are you disobeying out of a conscience toward God? Now, it doesn't matter if you're if you're disobeying out of a conscience toward God, if you disobey those magistrates, what can you expect? You can expect that they will mete out punishment upon you. It's going to happen. God has put them there, hasn't he? Counsel of God. And, and all things are. And there he was, subject to the powers that were Yeah. What if he could rebel? No, but he was again obeying God, wasn't he? He was obeying God. Again, uh, we talked about that, Bruce, uh, this, very, this very moment, this very morning, that uh, in... In uh, how did you how did you put that? Uh, <laughs> right, he lost his life that he might not lose his obedience and that obedience to God. Ultimately, that is the higher power, isn't it? He is the only power, really. So, all right. Well, um, my, uh, all week I had intended to, to preach this morning <coughs> on uh, God is light. And we will, uh, but, but this morning as I contemplated all of this stuff, um, I reversed my my um, choice of sermons. Uh, so, in a few moments, we're going to be talking about God in control. And this afternoon, Lord willing, we will talk about God is light. 
But we're hearing that that um, that refrain over and over and over and over again. God's in control, and He is, and we will be we'll be uh, contemplating that in just a few moments. So.